Hi, and welcome to Axelbank Reports History and Today Conversations with America's top nonfiction authors and why their books matter right now. I'm Evan Axelbank, and today we're going to speak with Amy Argetsinger, the author of There She Was The Secret History of Miss America. She is the Washington Post editor for the Style section. Thanks so much for being here, Ms. Argetsinger. Glad to be here. Before we start our interview, I want to invite listeners to our Patreon page to ask for your support in keeping the show going. Go to patreon.com slash History. We will donate part of your contributions to a charity for children's literacy. A group of women line up in front of a group of strangers who rank them on how they look in formal wear and what may as well be underwear. <laughs> they, show, they show off a talent, which can be anything from chemistry to dancing, and answer a few questions about their career goals. Then the previous winner comes out and places the crown on the new winner of Miss America's head. And she is, she is forever known as Miss America. Amy Argetsinger started working on this book in 2018, right when that general process of the pageant was changing. No more bathing suits. And allegedly, allegedly, appearance was not important. Amy's book asks how the contest survived for so long, and we're going to get to that. But I first want to ask, what took them so long to at least do away with the bathing suit portion that looking back just feels so icky? You know, it really does seem anachronistic. Uh, I've got an eight-year-old daughter, almost eight years old, and she has not seen very much of this this world of pageants. But in the process of writing my book, I I was watching a pageant from 2015 on YouTube, and she was watching with me, and she was really into it until the point where they said, and now coming up next, the swimsuit competition. And she said, what? Like, it was just Why would anybody want to see somebody in a bathing suit? Well, listen, honestly, the whole ladies in a swimsuit thing was very popular. It's what made, it's really what made Miss America stand out at the very Mm. beginning. And it's very much woven into the history and the identity of Miss America. It was, it was founded in 1921 in Atlantic City. A lot of people know that basic history. Uh, And it was basically a sideshow to this fall festival that was meant to extend the summer season past Labor Day, keep people spending money in Atlantic City. And uh, there had been beauty pageants before, but this was unique because swimsuits. It was a time when swimwear was evolving you know, before the early 20s. The sweaters at the beach and the, basically, the long yeah, pants. <laughs> go, into the, go into the water and basically a big baggy dress or, you know, pants and, and a shirt. And suddenly there was this new streamlined knit swimwear that was very athletic looking, also kind of slinky looking, to be honest. Uh, everyone was adopting this new look. So there is a festival. I mean, it wasn't just the Miss America contestants. It was everyone was in swimwear, like the policemen and the firefighters and the mayor. They were all in their bathing suits. So, of course, these young ladies were in their swimsuits, too. But that was that was pretty potent, you know. Um, and so from the very start, this was this was how Miss America kind of made a name for itself was women in swimsuits. And you immediately saw the opportunity to write about this as it was undergoing this big change. Yeah. Yeah. In 2018, the seismic shift with Miss America was that uh, there was a, there, there was a coup, there was a leadership overhaul and the new leadership, which was led by Gretchen Carlson, the former yeah. Fox news anchor, uh, 
they decided it was time to get rid of the swimsuit competition. And I'll be honest, this is this had been something that the Miss America organization had been debating for 50 years and had been conflicted about for maybe 70 years. Uh, but they had they had always stuck with it. And um, you know, you know, we have to remember where we were in 2018. It was the year after all the, the Me Too discussion. Uh, but kind of, kind of a deeper subtext for, for Miss America was that Miss America was falling off the cultural radar. Um, and to the extent that people were even aware of Miss America, they couldn't tell it apart from Miss USA or Miss Universe or toddlers and tiaras or any of this stuff. Mm. And so I think in addition to feeling like, oh, swimsuits are anachronistic, I think there was also a feeling like we need to rebrand. And to be honest, for a minute, it looked like this might work. Uh, the Miss America pageant and this decision was on the front page of the New York Times. I don't know when the last time it had been on the front page of the New York Times. People were talking about it. Uh, but it really just led to more. Anyway, we can go on. I'll, well, I'm getting you, ahead of myself. No, no, it's, it's okay. You open up the book with the scene that is akin to like a mafia movie or something. Where <laughs> all like the heads of the crime families report <laughs> families. to one to one place. Um, for a big meeting on the future of their syndicates, you know. Now this is—I mean, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm trying to uh, explain this you. scene. No, I love it. Thank uh, you, Evan. Uh, that, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you said it felt like a book club, so a little different for you than the mafia meeting. But I thought of the beginning scene of Analyze This, right, when all the families show up in one place. <laughs> yes. Um, in this case, the still living winners of the crown converge on the vacation rental for their big meeting in Central Florida in yeah. 2018, and they want to talk about the future of this pageant. And you say they loved it so much. Why did those participants in that meeting love it so much? What stays with you once you get to be a Miss America? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, this is Miss America, or almost all of its history, has been this transformative experience for, for these young women. It has been this honor, this title that gets a certain kind of ambitious young woman out of her small town, gives her a taste of fame introduces her to powerful people. It's been a launching pad for some careers. But, you know, it's also, um, how can I put this? It's, it's also like a, a community. It's also, uh, I was surprised to realize that there are these Miss America retreats and reunions. I'd always thought of them as being like these, you know, each represented their own year. In fact, it's like a, it's like a clan. It's a tribe. Uh, whether it's the women who all competed against each other in a certain year, they'll all have reunions, uh, or the women who were each Miss America. It's this, and especially as pageants have become a more niche pursuit in our culture, you know, it's like, it's like your gardening club. It's like your friends who are all fans of a certain sports team. This is what bonded them together. These are the women. They have a sense of community because they all, they all got it. They all understood what they had all done. Uh, they had I, had this one-of-a-kind experience, and this is what they shared. So, I, I yeah, they cared was, desperately about Miss America. Yeah, I, I thought it was fascinating. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I thought it was oh, fascinating fine. that, that – um, the people who are gathering at this home for this big meeting are um, representing pageants from the 40s to the 2010s. Yes. Miss yes. America does get older. She is not always <laughs> the person you see on this on the screen with the crown on, right? Not at all. And you know, especially when they all get together like this, and you know, Kissimmee, Florida, like yoga pants, no makeup, 
hairs and ponytails, just hanging out. No makeup, no camera lights. Uh, do they look different, by the way? I mean, I mean, how, how, what is it like to, I mean, I'm sure you've interviewed some of them. What is it yeah. like to see Miss America without makeup on? They're normal women. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's like Miss America's by and large, they bully you over more with their personality than their looks. You know, I, I think a lot of people expect, oh, they're going to all have like tight faces and really done hair and everything. But no, most of them have segued into normal lives. They're kind of earthy, down to earth. Uh, but for the most part, uh, the thing people don't know, I mean, you had a great synopsis of what a pageant is like, you know, coming out being judged by underwear and and weird talent shows. But the truth about Miss America, they make you think that this is what people are being judged on. All the judging really happens in these closed door behind the scenes interviews. That's where it's all won or lost. So the people who win this, the women who win this are all people who have they have like next level people skills. They're incredibly ingratiating and warm and kind of comfortable in their skin. These are all young women who walked into a room full of strangers, the judges, when they're like 20 years old. And this is the person who everyone just intuitively, instinctively liked. So that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with a bunch of Miss Americas. It's like, they're all really ingratiating, nice Fun people. Des- describe. Is that surprising? You, it's, no, it's, it's, it's yeah. just interesting. Uh, uh-huh. Describe the women who are at this home. Describe. I mean, just give me a, a few capsules here of some of the people who showed up. I mean, it was, and they're in their sixties and seventies. Some of them at this. Some point. of them, yeah. Some of them. You know, it's it's like the oldest woman there is a woman named BB uh, Shop, who was uh, Miss America nineteen forty eight. She is a a farm girl from Minnesota who played the vibraphones, uh, and she was there, but you know, you also had, uh, you also had like Miss Americas from the '60s and '70s. Uh, you know, Kyleen Barker, who in 1979, her her talent was a gymnastics routine where she was like, she was she was flipping around to the theme from Rocky, uh, which was like, you gotta love that. Uh, you know, they had Kira Kazantsev, who was Miss America. 2015 who had been like a golf prodigy and now she's like a host on the golf channel uh but also you know there's a woman kate Schindel. she was miss america 1998 she's now the president of actors equity which is the big deal you know performers union in new york um women who've gone into politics uh it's 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 a big it's a big range of of people you know stay-at-home moms activists you know lawyers uh it's it's a weirdly ordinary group, except that they all have this Miss America energy and this Miss America history. Describe Gretchen Carlson. She emerges as an early star. Yeah. She had been victimized by a powerful person at yeah. Fox News while she was an anchor there. How did that experience being victimized in her career help her see the light that this whole thing couldn't go on the way it was going on? Well, you know, with with Gretchen, I think it's it's a it's a it's a deeper history. She at that point in 2018, she uh, two years earlier, she had she had left Fox News in a big way. It was an earthquake. She left Fox News and immediately filed suit against Roger Ailes, the founder, uh, for sexual harassment. She was the first woman to make a claim of sexual harassment against him. After that. Many other women came forward. Ailes was forced to resign. Gretchen got a big settlement too, uh, about $20 million, I believe. Um, so she was at a point in her career where she was kind of 
ready to do something. She was financially secure, uh, but also had some, some more time. She had been considered a somewhat unlikely Miss America. She was Miss America 1989. 89, I thought, yeah. Yeah. And she had, um, she had been a high school valedictorian. She was a student at Stanford. She had been a violin prodigy. She had won like national teenage violinist competitions. Um, a very intense, competitive, brainy Miss America. And she, that was kind of her brand. Oh, she was the, the smart Miss America, which, you know, kind of put her up to a lot of scrutiny, kind of put a target on her back, I'd say. Um, her memoir gives you the sense that it, being Miss America was not an entirely happy experience for her. And she was also uncomfortable with the whole swimsuit competition. She was coming out of the pageant culture of the 1980s where, you know, it wasn't even necessarily about fitness. These women were starving themselves to get into swimsuit shape. It was, you know, they were going on like these 800 calorie a day diets. It was, it was kind of grotesque. A couple of years down the road, people kind of got more into like the whole pumping iron thing, but, but back then it was, they were just starving themselves. So, you know, she came from a generation of women who had not had a very happy experience with that element of Miss America. And when she took over, and that's, that's another long story, how she came to take over Miss America. When she took over in 2018, I think this is both out of her own personal feelings and also a sense that uh, the pageant needed a brand reboot to get back on the cultural radar. Did all the women at this meeting share her concerns? Was there discord? Um, was it broken down? I'm wondering if it bro yeah. was broken down on generational lines. Did yeah. some of the um, women who were a bit older say, oh, come on, the swimsuit thing is fine. Were the younger ones saying, no, yeah. we've got to do away with it. Um, what was the politics here? Is it, what it all these folks thought? I'll tell you, it was a complicated dynamic. I think in that moment in early 2018, when she came to them with the proposal like, we got to get rid of this. There was in that moment a sense that, yes, this is real. This is, this is what we got to do. Of course, at the time, there was, there was also, and this became much debated, much fought over down the road. There was a sense that she had conveyed to them that Miss America no longer had a future on television if they kept the swimsuit competition. There was an argument going around that sponsors, uh, business partners would would turn on Miss America, that this was no longer a tenable thing. Uh, it came out later that it was, it was a lot more complicated, that there was really no one saying, get rid of the swimsuit. But in, at the moment they felt, this is our choice, we have to go with this. Um, but no, it was, it was very interesting. You saw it breaking down generationally, and this is not just among the former Miss Americas, but the whole world is a huge grassroots network of boosters and supporters, the young women competing and everything. I found that there was sort of an interesting generational breakdown that I would not expect. I found in general that the, the women who were ready to get rid of the swimsuit were older. They were the women who had come up through the 70s and the 80s. And I think it was because they were there when it had become, when there was such a, a diet intensive culture. Whereas the women who were doing it in the 90s and into this century, younger women, and including a lot of the young women who are still competing today, they were kind of fine with swimsuits. And a lot of that I felt had to do with like, I mean, it's two things. One, it's the rise of fitness culture. It's like when you're, when you're actually kind of, there's more of a sense of accomplishment 
with getting that bikini body if you're like a gym person if, um, that as opposed to just like starving yourself. But also, I mean, here's the thing is that, as I said before, Miss America had become more of a niche pursuit. When Gretchen was competing, when previous generations were competing, it's like every high school had a girl who was into pageants. There was like 80,000 women in the country who would compete to be Miss America every year. Now, you know, we're down to like a couple thousand women. So if you're someone who was like still into the whole pageant thing in 2018, you're basically someone who'd made your piece with, with swimsuit competitions. So, and in fact, like they were pretty happy with it. I, I talked to a lot of younger women who were heartbroken when they got rid of the swimsuit competition because you know what they were really good at the swimsuit competition <laughs> and I'm here's the thing yeah if, if they had not if they had been turned off by a swimsuit competition they would have gone and done something else i mean there's lots of options for young people these days and, and also uh, there may be an element too if the younger women are okay with it that they're used to posting pictures on social media and yeah. there's so much time on instagram and and i'm at the beach today and and there's pictures everywhere you know yeah. and so i guess they're just used to it um you say that the fame that these women get despite this amazing title, right, is often fleeting. Um, oh, it's very fleeting. I, I, I maybe knew of a few names that I was like, okay, that person was Miss America as I was reading your book. Um, is it the title? What does the title of Miss America mean to Americans? Was it the title or the women themselves that mean something? Mm, that's, a, that's a good question. You know, I think, I think when there was kind of more cultural awareness of Miss America, when you still had, you know, 60 million people watching it, Miss America kind of meant, meant something. People kind of knew intuitively. It, it had this, um, not just beauty, but I think people understood that there is this kind of like wholesomeness, perkiness, earnestness, uh, very uh, mainstream uh, in, its, in its sensibilities. Uh, but you know, this was this was by design. The Miss America pageant has always kind of set itself apart from, say, Miss USA or Miss Universe. Uh, I, I want to. I, I well, go ahead. But I want to ask you one question about why you did Miss America as opposed to the other ones. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and I, you know, there's. It had been always. It was the pageant that had always kind of scrambled and reached for respectability. Uh, and that's why they had things like talent competitions and scholarships and so many of the local pageants were run by the junior chamber of commerce the, the jc's things like that it was very kind of a uh, small town america earnest conservative values very much rooted in the midwest and the south you know all the cliches about southern and, and midwestern beauty queens there's some truth to that when i was in college um we had to read the new york times every day and one of the early classes, it was a professor who I worked for, so I've seen him do this routine a few times. One of the things, now, no offense, by the way, I know you're a Washington Post writer, but we had to. And, and one, of the, is great, yeah. one of the um, one of the things that he used to explain is why the New York Times, why not the Washington Post or the Boston Globe yeah. or the Wall Street Journal or whatever? Um, why did you write about Miss America as opposed to Miss USA or Miss Universe? What was it about Miss America that you felt there was a lot to chew on? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. You know, part of it was because in 2018, when I started this project, there was, 
there is this drama going on. There had been a leadership upheaval, really, really a coup. Uh, there had been a debate over swimsuits and questions of its future. So you had kind of a natural dynamism going on there. But, you know, and listen, I, I, had, I had followed it for years. I, I had a friend who competed in, in the 90s when, when I was living in Iowa. And, you know, she and I went to the national pageant and you get hooked. It's like, it's like Friday Night Lights. It's like, it's a sporting event. You think it's just going to be like this parade of kitsch. And it is. And that's great. But you find yourself trying to figure out the rules, trying to figure out who the winner is going to be, rooting for someone. It's, it's, it's Little League, it's the Kentucky Derby, it's, it's, it's March Madness, it's, it's irresistible on that level. But what was intriguing to me about Miss America as opposed to Miss USA was that not just in 2018, but for its entire history, and this is its centennial year, for its entire history, it had been trying to figure out what Miss America is supposed to mean. It had been struggling for relevance. It had been grasping for respectability. Uh, which you know, there's a lot of a lot of tension wrapped up there. So that's there's a natural drama, but of course, I will also say it's like Miss America came first. It was, it, it was, it's the one that created it all. You know, anything that's come since then. I mean, Miss USA and Miss Universe. It's 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 an offshoot. It's it's a competitor, uh, but it, it it came about later. And honestly, so much of the competition world we see on reality TV, it all goes back to Miss America. Well, that's interesting. It's like the first reality TV show. Yeah. Um, one of the things you make a point of saying in your book, and your book is actually written this way, is that it's not in linear fashion. Um, but yeah. I do want to start in the beginning. Um, before we even get to Miss America, do we know the first time there was a formal contest over how women looked? Never mind in American history. How about world history? Oh, I mean, you know, scholars like to go back and think about... Um, you know, Queen Esther, uh, biblical times, was, you know, selected, I don't know, she did a dance or something and was selected to be queen. They go back to like Greek mythology and Paris having to choose between Hera and Aphrodite and Athena, who is the most beautiful. I mean, it's, it's always kind of been this idea out there of who's the most beautiful. Uh, but it, it's, it kind of, it's sort of rooted in a way in like, uh, harvest queens, festival queens. We've had something like that for, for centuries, you know, going, going back to Europe where you have this, uh, like a parade of young women who are just sort of supposed to represent something about the vibrancy and the vitality and fertility of a, <laughs> of a community. It's, it's this idea that we've had out there for a while. What did Miss America represent about the time period in which it starts, the yeah. beginning of the Roaring Twenties? How important, um, how much of a mirror was Miss America to the Roaring Twenties and vice versa? All of the complexities about what we thought about women were all there from that first year. I mean, this was just supposed to be a little sideshow to bring the tourists in. But, uh, you know, they had asked newspapers within driving distance to pick the you know, the fairest girl in each city and send her to Atlantic City for this, for this beauty contest. Um, what was interesting is that, you know, this was World War I had just ended a couple of years earlier. Uh, the flu pandemic uh, was, was not too distant. Women had just gotten the vote a year earlier in 1920. Uh, 
Hollywood was having more of an influence on mainstream culture. It's like you could be in some small town and go into a movie theater and all of a sudden see all this racy stuff on the big screen. Um, so there's, it was a time of a lot of anxiety, you know, especially if you're in a conservative community. There's a whole lot of anxiety about what are the kids up to these days? You know, suddenly there are cars and they could go off somewhere and yeah. make out. Uh, it flapper culture was on the rise. It was prohibition was going on. Um, and everyone's various ways of getting around prohibition. Uh, what was interesting is that, you know, swimwear, as I said, was suddenly a lot slinkier and cooler. And so everyone was dressed that way. When the judges were making their picks that first year in 1921, it seemed very telling that they picked the youngest girl in the competition, Margaret Gorman from Washington, DC. She was only 16 years old. And, everyone seemed to fall in love with her because she represented sort of a throwback ideal. She did not bob her hair like the flappers, like all the newspaper reports made a point of like, oh, she's got long curls, unbobbed hair. And she wore the most demure swimsuit. It was like layered chiffon instead of one of the slinky uh, knit stylish ones. She was very much like in the Mary Pickford mold, Mary Pickford being like the silent movie star who always played old fashioned girls there was a sense of like they wanted like this virtuous Victorian old fashioned girl wearing a swimsuit, but nonetheless. So that's, that's the, the dichotomy you had from the very start. It's like, we're going to have a swimsuit competition, but we're going to pick the most virginal girl of all. I noticed when I looked, when I was preparing for the episode, I went back and just looked at the list of winners and it was um, the pageant survived and was carried on through things like World War II, the Vietnam War, other really, really difficult things, but not during the Great Depression. Yeah. What uh, was the reasoning behind why they just couldn't bring themselves to do this contest in the middle of that kind of misery? Well, it's, it's funny. I think for a while in Miss America mythology, there is this notion that, oh, well, the, the Great Depression shut it down for a couple of years. That was not actually the case. Uh, the pageant took off. It was national news that first year. And like within a couple of years, they had like a hundred women competing, like from all kinds of like tiny cities and everything. But even though this was making a lot of money for Atlantic city, the business community that ran Atlantic city was fundamentally uncomfortable with this whole display. Uh, there is this perception that it's like, these are these like, loose attention getting attention seeking women which just seems so unseemly i mean attention seeking there's nothing wrong with attention seeking publicity seeking but uh the, a lot of the contestants were showgirls and models uh which with all of the kind of uh implications that that seemed to carry that uh, and you know and some of them were kind of outrageous it's like you had women showing up and turned out that they would be married or they had you know, they had kids already. They they weren't from the state they said they were from. Uh, and the business community shut this down. After a couple of years, they just thought, we do not want this class of women. We do not want this kind of shameless uh, attention getting uh, around here. And so they shut it down. And um, it took a couple of years. And that's really why you had, uh, when it started back up in the 30s and even through the 40s and 50s, there's this kind of constant quest for respectability. Uh, this constant 
attempt to prove that they weren't just another skin show. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's why you had talent competitions. And even though like these women would come and they weren't very talented, they would still get up there and they'd do a little tap dance to, you know, tea for two or whatever. Uh, and that's why they started handing out scholarships. It was very explicit, like, we're going to get the right kind of class of women for this. Along with 2018, one of the key dividing lines in Miss America and the history of it is the Vietnam War. Um, explain yeah. how 1968 becomes the before and after. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 1968, uh, there, the women's movement was really just just beginning to be born. And a group called New York Radical Women decided to protest at the pageant. These were women who had been instrumental in civil rights protests, in Vietnam protests, but they had found themselves marginalized by the men who sort of took the, the front man roles in these protests. And so they they felt strongly that this, that they needed a women's movement and they're incredibly savvy at the time. I mean, we had a monoculture and Miss America was one of the biggest TV shows of the year. It was, you know, Super Bowl Oscars and Miss America. And sometimes Miss America was the most watched show of the year. So they, they took their protests to Atlantic city and they had a sheep in a beauty queen sash and they had signs saying up against the wall, Burke parks referring to the, the longtime MC of the show. And they had a trash can that they threw uh, women's magazines like, uh, you know, cosmopolitan and girdles and hair curlers into this garbage can. They also threw some bras into the trash can. This is where the whole, bra burning mythology came up even though they did not set the bras on fire because you are not allowed to have fires on the boardwalk which is made of wood good policy but this <laughs> protest i mean this protest was sensational it stole all the headlines from the actual pageant that year it really put the women's movement on the map they went on to bigger things but the pageant was really rattled and they spent years wringing their hands over what are we doing are we you know should we join the women's movement should we fight the women's movement they never they could never quite set institutionally they could never settle on what their stance towards the women's movement should be miss america for a long long time um it's a lot of white people a lot yeah, of white women yeah. <laughs> um what role did Miss America play in America's evolution into a more open society? Uh, who was the Jackie Robinson of Miss America? And how did Miss America reflect what was going on in the country in terms of the racial strife that we've seen uh, yeah. for all these decades? I mean, like you say, Miss America was a very, very white organization, and this was by design. Uh, the director of the pageant in the 1930s instituted a rule rule seven they called it which basically stated that all contestants must be quote of good health and of the white race and kind of to take it further this is very specifically aimed at keeping out black contestants uh they even you know uh, allowed a couple like native american contestants and uh asian american contestants Lenora Slaughter, who's the director then, she even spoke to a Native American organization and, and said, oh yes, that rule, don't worry, that rule is just about keeping black contestants out. You just cannot compare Negro beauty and Caucasian beauty. It was absolutely explicit. Even when that rule was lifted 
and they're always very hazy about when that happened, even when that rule was lifted. I mean, it was still this very hidebound, you know, segregated without a policy organization. It was all driven by these local competitions, which sometimes were invitation only. Uh, you know, there weren't any black contestants because they weren't exactly encouraged to be. And it, it was 1959 before any uh, African-American women won local pageants. It was 1970 before one won a state pageant. It's 1983 before Vanessa Williams, who's, she was literally considered a pioneer on par with Jackie Robinson when she was crowned Miss America in 1983. And looking back at it, I mean, it was, it was a huge event for Miss America because it was huge news. It was very validating for this old pageant that her crowning was such big news. It meant that Miss America was still relevant if people thought that this was a big deal. Uh, Vanessa Williams, of course, you know, fabulous, beautiful, uh, beautiful woman, great singer, She's known, but she's the Miss America who went on to have the biggest show business career of all of them. But um, horrifyingly, her Miss America career was was cut short just about seven weeks before the end of her year. Penthouse published nude photos of her that she had basically been conned into posing for when she was 19 and very naive, never thought that these would see the light of day, never thought that her face would be visible. She regretted them instantly. Um, and when they came out, instead of fighting for her, the Miss America organization forced her to resign. And, you know, what's good for the goo, what is this thing? What's good for the goose, <laughs> good, not good for the good. gander. I, um, in this case, that's, you know, the, the what was good for the goose was not good for the gander because as we found out during this email scandal of the 2010s, the men were the ones being lewd and disgusting. Um, what did that scandal reveal about um, the participants and how they were seen by the people running this pageant? Yeah, this is this is some ugly stuff. The emails that were published in late 2017 revealed the leadership, uh, most notably the then uh, the then uh, CEO of the organization, a man named Sam Haskell, a former Hollywood talent agent, talking about Miss Americas in a kind of very kind of crass, disparaging, sexist, in some cases very vulgar terms, um, and. Uh, you know, it's like beyond the actual language that was used, it was, it was, it was considered shocking because, I mean, again, you know, Miss America, it's like, it's this little organization that is devoted to putting this young woman up on a pedestal. And that may be a pretty unhealthy dynamic as it is, but <laughs> that, that's the culture of the place. So to hear the, the organizers and board members trash talking them, was was a huge shock and it was it was an unsurvivable scandal it resignations throughout the organization uh followed followed that um but yeah it to me going back and looking at this it just spoke to uh, it's kind of toxic dysfunctional office politics um really ugly stuff but but that kind of made you question the whole culture of the place you say that the story of Miss America is a story of turmoil, essentially the entire time, um, but that it was the women who held it together. What challenges, um, well, uh, what 
did the women have to do to keep this organization going that they all loved? I mean, you know, isn't it funny how the men are the ones, quote unquote, running it, but it's the women making sure it survives? Yeah, I, it's, it's a little more complicated than that. I mean, it's, um, it's an organization that... Listen, I started trying to write a book about what happened, what has caused the downfall, why is Miss America in decline uh, here, you know, on its centennial. And what I came up with was that how on earth did it ever last so long? I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Nothing else from popular culture is still <laughs> a brand. I mean, you have like right. Mickey Mouse and Miss America. Those are the only things from the 1920s left. Mm. Um, but... I kept coming back to what a miracle it is it survived this long. I mean, if it were simply a television show, if it were simply a business, it would have died out long ago because there isn't really a place for it. There isn't a huge demand for it. I mean, the TV ratings tell you that story, but it's this, it goes back to this small town network, national network of volunteers who just desperately care for this and who are kind of propping it up like you would you know, peewee football or little league or, or something like that. They, they love it so much that they kind of keep willing it into existence. And a lot of that is these former Miss Americas who this was such a transformational experience for them that they kind of keep going back and giving back and, and they keep getting involved, you know, where there'd be one crisis or another and you'd have Miss America, whether it's Phyllis George or whoever, like start to work the phones and try to get new people involved and, you know, but, I mean, listen, in, in some ways, though, it's like, why do they care about this so much? It's like, it's like, if your college loses its accreditation, like, what does that say about you? Of course, you, you want, you would want, to, you want your old college to succeed. And, and that's why we give our colleges money and, and, and try to hope they, they stay in the good graces of regulators. And in some strange way, it's like they wanted this title to keep mattering because it had meant so much to them. How do you see the future of Miss America as holding up a mirror to our society socially? And the way I guess I would ask that question is, could there ever be a Miss America who is trans? I mean, this is, this is the big debate and discussion that's, that goes on within the pageant world about, you know, should they, should they welcome trans contestants? And it's been noted, actually, as like, actually, we've had trans contestants. You just didn't know about it, which I think is a pretty savvy way of dealing with it, like. Uh, and there was a lesbian contestant in 2016 i think there there have been a couple i mean of course there's many of them but at least openly yeah yeah you know and and there's now a former miss america who is is married to a woman she was she was not an out lesbian then um yeah the thing is there's a lot of debate and discussion within the communities like oh is this right should we allow you know trans women at the end of the day though i mean to me it feels like it's, it's a bigger question as to whether there's a future for the pageant at all. This almost seems like, I don't want to say, it's, 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 it's a very academic debate, philosophical debate for them to be having when the bottom's falling out. You know, interest is dying out. The ratings are dying out. There are not nearly as many young women competing for this on the local levels anymore. They're, the money is running out. So it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to get too deep into those debates about what should Miss America mean anymore. They've been having those debates for years, and it's kind of beside the point now, I think. 
As you, as you wrote this book, what did you learn about why people, men and women, are obsessed with beautiful women? Um, I think it has a lot to do with, it comes down to charisma. I don't think people are really able to articulate that. I mean, it's, but people who've been around Miss America pageants long enough are kind of savvy to the fact that it's never the most beautiful woman who wins. It's rarely the most talented. Um, it really does come down to this sort of ineffable it factor, which, I mean, I can tell you, like, there are people within the pageant world who talk about the time that they were once in a room with Phyllis George, who was Miss America 1971 and a, and a big deal sports broadcaster later. They talk about having once been in a room with her and that, and it's the same way people talk to you about the time that they were once in a room with Frank Sinatra or Barack Obama, just in terms of that, that charisma and, you know, Oh, she made me feel like I was the only person in the world. Um, people like that. People respond to that. It's like what we're, what we're looking for in our celebrities or our politicians, that kind of, that, that energy we, we get off of someone, except, you know, it's, it's like with Miss America, I mean, you kind of get to see the formation and the growth of that, of that quality. It's sort of like, it's, it's not unlike American Idol where, you know, you watch over a season and it kind of gives you a sense of, okay, what is that it factor? What is that thing that makes someone break out from the pack? Miss America has always kind of been that same thing. You kind of alluded to this earlier, um, but I want to have you talk about it more. I had no idea that Miss America could be the basis for the perfect tailgate party, which you say you've <laughs> taken part in many times. Describe for us what it's like to pack up your car and drive to Atlantic City and enjoy the pageant and party a little bit. What's that like? It's awesome. I'm a big football guy, but I never, I never tailgated for Miss America, you know? It's, it's really fun. You know, one of my friends from, from my reporting days in, in Iowa competed in, in local pageants. And so when she and I were both working on the East Coast, we thought, hey, let's, let's go see this for ourselves. You walk in there and it is completely, I wouldn't say it's different. It's just so much, a world beyond what you ever could have imagined from seeing it on TV for two hours once a year. It's like going to a political convention. And you have all the all the groupies all the followers and boosters and volunteers from across the country they're there in this big auditorium and they're all dressed up in like black tie but it, they're also like drinking beer out of big plastic cups and <laughs> holding up signs with their girl's face on it and you know signs that are all lit up to spell out oklahoma or whatever it's it's lively and it's fun and and it's um it, it's this kind of crazy subculture and oh, they also have like all of the all the girls from all these like little junior princess type pageants. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, Miss Scholastic Indiana teen, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> and they're, it's like, they're the, the ambassadors from another realm wearing their little tiaras and sashes. So it's a hoot. And, you know, even while we think, Oh, we're there kind of for, for the kitsch value, you get sucked in by the competition and the gamesmanship and trying to pick the winner and trying to, trying to figure out, who it's going to be and what it takes and it's irresistible. And, you know, after that first trip, I went back to Washington and I would mention to friends that I had been there and the reaction I got was, Oh, 
can I go with you next time? Uh. And so it became a regular road trip. Every couple of years, a group of us would go up to Atlantic City or we'd go to Vegas when it was held out there. And you make a weekend of it. You do some gambling. You <laughs> go see the show. You try to bet amongst each other who's going to win. It's a hoot. You um, say in your introduction that you want to say up front, I love Miss America and I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah. Why do you assume... Um, I was struck by that. You you have to sort of, you had to put it out there that I know some people are going to say, how could you love something like that? Um, why did you make sure to say that in the book? Miss America has been written about a lot over the years. And it's usually written about, I mean, it's written about two ways. One with kind of like a kind of an unquestioning kind of fan groupy mentality where it's like, oh, here's all your Miss America trivia. And, uh, or it's written about in a very academic style where there's a tendency to kind of look down on the people in this community or make fun of them or just kind of treat it as this very abstract foreign thing. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's, it's an earnest, likable, group of people who make up this culture. It's a subculture like any other. You know, I was, I had this, this argument with, with one of my uncles who, um, who's a race car driver when I started this book and he was, he was like, I do not get it. I do not get what these people are doing. And I explained to him, I was like, oh, well, you know, they, you know, it's, they're kind of competing against each other, but it's like, it's like, you know, it's like you're in a half marathon, you're, you're, you get to be friends with the people, you see them on the circuit and everything, and a light bulb went off over his head. It's like, oh, okay, it's a sport. I'm like, yeah, it's exactly what, it's, it's exactly like the auto racing world. It's just <laughs> pageants. If your, daughter, uh, if your daughter came to you and said, Ma, <laughs> I want to start doing pageants, what would you say? Uh, I mean, of course, I will already say what I said before, which is that I don't think pageants are going to be alive by the time she gets to that Hopefully. age. Hopefully, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I don't think, my preference is not for any child of mine to get involved in the pursuit of fame because I don't think that's healthy or happy. Um, you know, having said that, I mean, there are a lot of people who are into this and it's like purely a hobby. They don't even want to be Miss America. They just want to keep going to the local pageants and seeing their friends and competing against this ever shrinking community. Uh, here's the thing. I guess what shocked me is that they're all kind of nice people. They're friends with each other. They're all pretty down to earth. I mean, it wouldn't be a choice for myself, but I mean, there are, there are much worse hobbies that any child could get involved in. I mean, listen, would it be my choice? No. And I don't want to do all the driving and I don't want to spend all the money on dresses. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to cut to the chase, no, but I don't know. There are, there are a lot of hobbies that kids get involved in that are a hassle for us parents. <laughs> <laughs> and, and why do you think it's shrinking so much, the, design, the demand to be in it? Is it just um, people just find it a little bit too off-putting to dress girls up and it's It's compete? just, there are so many other things to do. I mean, there's something that's very sweet a bit about Miss America, even before, even before the seventies, when you started to have like more outspoken winners, you know, it's, it was still this thing about these girls kind of putting themselves out there. It's a really brave thing to do, whether it's a swimsuit or whatever talent, like to get up on stage and be like, look at me, vote for me. That's, that's kind of a, 
a brave badass thing to do but there are so many other venues to do that and it's not just you know american idol or other reality tv i mean women can do what they want they've got organized sports now which they didn't have in the 1960s uh you know if you if you just kind of want to put yourself out there there's social media i mean there are there are young women who never set foot anywhere near a pageant who have millions more followers on instagram than the reigning miss america i mean there are just other ways to get whatever people used to get out of this lastly if you could design a pageant based around anything other than physical appearance what would be the best way to serve our society well then it wouldn't be a pageant then it would just be <laughs> it's just a contest i mean it would it would just i mean it would be a scholarship contest it would be an essay contest yeah. it would be a science fair it would be it would be anything else that we already have a pageant by definition is it's about appearance it's about display it's about putting yourself out there physically do you you like the seinfeld episode i mean every time every single time you have said miss america i keep thinking to myself poise counts (laughs) i don't know that one (laughs) oh my gosh you have to see it you have to see it it's uh it's the beginning of season five it's called the chaperone (laughs) and kramer has to uh uh, Kramer be, winds up um, taking one of the contestants, Miss Rhode Island, and putting her under his wing because he's seen every Miss America for the last however many years. And his thing is, remember, poise counts. It's just as important as the others. I can't believe I haven't seen that. You know, I'd recently saw Miss Congeniality, the Sandra Bullock movie, which is makes fun of beauty pageants. Women in the pageant world love that movie. I mean, I will say this. These people are the first to get the joke. They're in on the joke. <laughs> Amy Argett Singer, author of There She Was, The Secret History of Miss America. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Check out the book, also her writing in the Washington Post, and her Twitter feed, which is at Amy Argett Singer. I want to invite listeners to our Patreon page to ask for your support in keeping the show going. Go to patreon.com slash History. We're going to donate part of your contributions to a charity for children's literacy. And thank you for listening to Axel Bank Reports, History, and Today, conversations with America's top nonfiction authors and why their books matter right now. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Axel Bank History. We update those with clips from the show, guest announcements, and book recommendations. See you next time. Thanks.